0: We're beginning a new series on Sundays in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to take you through this glorious and wondrous book. It has a grand span of eternity in it and the identity and destiny of the church upon it. And it is bringing us into the full stature of what Christ wants his church to be. So as we study this, I hope you'll go deep with it. I'm going to read to you chapter 1 and then uh, extrapolate uh, that chapter to you. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us this mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he sent forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, who fills all and all. Praise God. So much depth in this first chapter of Ephesians. And what it does is it brings us into the eternal realm, a perspective outside of our space and time and our little insignificant activity to realize that nothing we do or say is insignificant. It has an eternal weight of glory that God had planned from the beginning of time. You and I are in a plan and a purpose that God has held from eternity past. And it's held within his church and yet to be fulfilled and continually worked out. And we're part of that plan and that purpose. So let me take you there first. We have a word that's spoken two, three times in that first chapter, predestined, predetermined. God had a plan. How many of you know that? Say it with me. God has a plan. God has a plan. Aren't you glad he's just not spitballing this thing? Aren't you glad he's just not, well, what am I going to do now? I had no idea that was going to happen. God has a plan. It is predestined. It is predetermined. It is also called a mystery of his will. Because the word mystery in the New Testament means something that is known by God but not by man yet to be revealed. And that's what Paul is saying. This whole thing of Messiah coming, dying on the cross for us to call a people unto Himself was a predestined plan of God. The Lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. Here Paul also uses that term by before the foundations of the earth. So this is an eternal plan in God. For the purpose of saving a people. A people, a chosen people in Christ. He says it over. A people chosen, now here's the key, in Christ. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We're chosen in the beloved, predestined as sons of God. God's plan was to call a people unto himself through Messiah. That's the plan. That's the predestination. Now, we're not going to get into this particular individualistic predestination where God is specifically called one or two. He called and had a plan for a people to come in through Christ, open to whosoever will. The plan is Jesus. The predestination is Christ and all who will come through Him. That's the plan The mystery. Verse 11 says, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. He's got counsel. He's got wisdom in this thing. He's got it purposed. He's got it planned. Nothing took God by surprise. The fall didn't take God by surprise. God knew the fall was coming. God gave free will to man. God understood the power of sin to destroy what he had planned, but God had a predestined plan, a determined time, a determined people. And a time when Messiah would come through those people and draw all who would come unto him to bring a fullness of the perfection of this plan into completion. And we're at the end stages of that plan. Come on. What is this plan that he speaks of? What is the purpose of his will? What is this predetermined plan? says this in verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. So there's a hidden truth in God, now made known. The book of Isaiah says that God looked for an intercessor and could find none, so he made bare his arm, his right arm. He exposed the plan, he revealed the plan, and made bare his saving arm, which is Christ himself. Here's the hidden mystery. As Paul says, the apostles were stewards of the mysteries of God. The things hidden in God, but yet now revealed to us. The disciples couldn't get it. They tried. They would try to understand. They came to a place where they grasped Jesus. Okay, you are Messiah. Yes, you are the Son of God. And then he told them, now i got to die. And they didn't get that part of it either even unto the time when he was raised from the dead. And Jesus in Mark 16 rebukes the disciples for not even believing the witnesses of the women. But then they finally got the mystery revealed. But you know they still didn't have the mystery complete. Even on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit fills them and they're praising God for his glorious works through Messiah. And they're preaching and reaching. But they still didn't get it that it was to all nations, all ethnos, all people group wasn't until Peter ran into an Italian band of uh, soldiers and he preached and they got saved and Paul went to the Gentiles and they got saved and the Samaritans got saved and we got to rethink this thing. See, the plan's unfolding, the purpose of his will. And do you know that that same purpose and that same plan is unfolding in this generation, at this time, in this age of the earth it's still unfolding and you are key and you are essential to the unfolding of this plan there are people according to this plan yet to be saved and you're rubbing elbows with them every day you don't realize that you're walking by the people that are part of this plan that god wants you to witness to and call out to God's got a purpose and a plan for Roseville. God's got a purpose and a plan for Detroit. God's got a purpose and a plan. He's not giving up on the United States yet. There's a plan, there's a purpose. When you begin to grasp this, you'll begin to live differently. So, what is that plan? Making known the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Remember, that's the predetermined, that's the predestined plan. In Christ, in Christ, it's Christ. To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on the earth. That's the plan. Ultimately, the fullness of Christ to fill not only the glory of heaven, but also to fill this earth. That's our job. To witness and to declare... Christ in the earth come on what better job could you ask for to declare the greatness of our God to fill all in all the fullness of Christ and that is going to happen through us that's the plan Now I would have thought he had a better one than picking me But oh, the joy he has in lavishing his love in us and taking broken things and building them into glorious things. Treasures of honor, vessels of honor. Look what he's doing with us. And this plan is to fill all in all so that he would, it says, that he would uh, uh, unite all things in him, in Christ Christ is uniting the spirit and the physical. He's uniting all things from heaven to earth. That's why you pray daily, O oh God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're the agent by which this is going to take place in Christ, who's in you, the hope of glory, the expectation of his majesty. That's who you are. So that's the plan. That's the plan. How is that going to happen? It's a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Through Jesus, that's the plan. Through Jesus. That was the key. That was what was predestined. The seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. The scarlet cord that hung in the window of Rahab, that, that remedy that is the lamb slain in the book of Leviticus. Continually throughout the Old Testament, the plan was revealed, the plan was exposed, the plan was uh, beginning to emerge till Messiah came. Now, how? How is this happening? Number four, because it says in verse four, we were cho- he chose us in him. There were no people till there was Christ in the earth to gather the people. We were chosen in him, verse 5, for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. So all of this is being wrought through Christ and Christ now in you. So that he is all In all through all and for all now he expresses the gospel and he says how this was done he says it was done by this verse 4 that we were to be blameless and holy God was going to call a people together as sons and daughters of God how was he going to accomplish this and that we would be Holy and blameless. How could that happen when Adam and Eve fell into sin and all of creation had fallen? He had a plan. You with me yet? Have you figured this out? He's got a plan. That plan is in Christ. That plan and purpose was to bring a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Holy and blameless. How, verse 5, to adopt us as sons. How? To forgive us our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us you read the language here this is the language of a bride and a bridegroom of the lover of our soul that he redeemed us and bought us out of slavery that we would become his bride he did it through the cross it was mysterious it was a predestined plan no one could see it coming Paul says in Corinthians that if, if the rulers of this age had known what this was going to accomplish, they would not have crucified Christ. They didn't know that was actually going to be the remedy when they had shouted with glee, thinking it was his defeat. Woo, what a turnaround! It's a plan. It was so wonderful, so awesome, so mysterious. No one could understand it. No one could figure it out. Peter says that the prophets of old longed to understand. Isaiah tried to figure out the times of Messiah and his suffering. They didn't know. Well, Isaiah would write that he is going to come in the power of his spirit to set the captives free and open prison doors and give healing to the blind. And then he'll go into a portion where he talks about the suffering servant who is bearded is plucked out and who is shamed and and he's trying to understand this concept. Jeremiah's weeping over what this revelation means in Christ. King David's writing poetry that he just doesn't understand. The depth of its own mystery. And in fact, in fact, Peter says that as the prophets of old looked into understanding and discerning the times of Messiah, it says that even angels longed to look into it. They didn't know it. They couldn't comprehend it. It was hidden in God. What was hidden in God? Jesus. The salvation of God hidden. And it is through him that our sins are forgiven. And that grace is bestowed upon us. And redemption through his blood. No one knew that God would obtain blood by becoming man and dying for us. And in verse 13, he says, when you heard the word of truth and you believed, you were then sealed with the Holy Spirit. The betrothal. What does it mean to be sealed in Christ, to be these people? We're betrothed to Jesus. The plan of God is that He is getting a bride for His Son, that through them, we would become one. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring by which He's coming for His bride. You're betrothed to Jesus. And His love is being lavished on you. And so, He wants us to understand this incredible plan that He has for us. And the consummation that will be ours when he returns so Paul begins to pray and he says I'm praying for you church I'm praying for you so that you'll begin to comprehend just who you are in Paul's prayer he goes into three things he's specifically praying for he says I'm really asking God that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of your heart may be illuminated See, again, this is something you can't figure out. How many of you know that so many people read the Bible, they read the Word, and it means nothing to them? How many of you remember when that used to be you? You'd pick that thing up and you go like, ah, oh, I don't get it, I don't understand, this is too weird. But something happened when you gave your heart to Jesus' faith, and the eyes of your heart were enlightened, understanding. This is coming from revelation knowledge. And God, I believe with my full heart that God is pouring out another lavish expression of His grace to His church in this hour to stand up against the tidal wave that's coming in opposition to the truth that is opposing the work of God. It's going to take a strong people. It's going to take a strong church that's so in love with Jesus that they will overcome the enemy. How? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their life even unto death. A passionate love. I'm betrothed. I am my beloved and He is mine. And so Paul is praying, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will give you this insight. You need three things So that Christ may be all in all in you, in the earth, and in these last days. Those three things are, number one, the hope to which he has called you. Number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And number three, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Paul is specifically praying that the church would get these three things in this predestined plan and purpose of the mystery of God in Christ to bring to completion That Christ may be all in all, through all, for all. So number one, that you would understand the hope to which he has called you. What is the blessed hope? What is that hope? Hope is a vision. Hope is cast before us. Hope is what we live our faith out in activity towards. The hope of our calling. What he's called you to. He has called you to be holy and blameless. He has called you to be a son of God has called you to be the bride of Christ. You have a calling, everyone here. You are called of God. Each person here. This wasn't a collective bargaining thing. This is an individual birthing. Everyone here has the title of son of God because you were uniquely birthed by the Spirit of God. Taken out of Adam, put in Christ. Now you have a unique birthing in God, therefore you have a calling, therefore you have a purpose, therefore you are in God's eternal purpose, and you are part of God's predestined plan to bring Christ into the earth and bring a unity between heaven and earth. Woo, that's you. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. Now take your finger and point it to you and say, that's me. Because I know, I know you people. I know you. You have no problem going, yeah, that's him. That's him. Oh, yeah, that's her. But when it comes to you, you're like, no, I don't know. There is no getting in by the skin of your teeth. There is none of that. There is no skin of your teeth to get into heaven to be a son of God. There is no. It's all by the blood of Jesus. We're all in for one reason, Jesus Christ, the complete perfect sacrifice. You're not going to squeak in. You're not going to get in sideways, left ways, over a wall. No. There's only one way. And when you're in, you're called. You're chosen. You're brought in. You have a calling. And you might think it's so small. You might think, what am I supposed to do? A housewife. I've raised two kids. You have no no understanding of that calling and that purpose and the cog and the uh, reasoning of all that is the predestined plan of God. The neighbor you talked to 10 years ago was an essential part of a plan for another part of someone else's life. Come on, this thing is so glorious and so mysterious and wonderful. You've got to get a hold of the hope of your calling. Or else you'll be stunted, you'll be stopped, and you'll be lied to by the enemy. Yeah, yeah. You You're called of God and on assignment by God, and you need to believe that so that you can let God work in you and through you to the praise of His glory. Secondly, that the riches of His inglorious... Uh, well, it says this. Um, the riches of His glorious inheritance. Every, He says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing where? in heavenly places come on who's keeping stock of that spiritual blessings in heavenly places wouldn't you like to see the storeroom what does that mean could it be that there are spiritual blessings with your name on it yet to be advanced to you But they're getting dusty. They're just waiting up there because you're not calling on those blessings. You're not calling on those answers. You're not speaking forth the will of God. You're letting them go in in, in some storage unit in heaven. Could it be? Or is it just some flowery language? All the spiritual blessings of heaven. No, come on. Think about it. What are all the spiritual blessings of heaven? Everything that Christ wrought in, in, in in the crucifixion and in the resurrection. Everything that you need. For life and godliness, Peter says. Everything you need for life and godliness. Not just your spiritual walk, but for life too. Amen? All those blessings in life. They're our inheritance. The riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. What that means is He lavished grace on you because of His wisdom. Not yours. We're not that smart. Remember, we're the base things of the earth. Chosen to confound the wise. It's in his wisdom that he has lavished his grace on you. Because he knows that if he puts his grace in you, it is going to have a profound effect in the earth. To the people you know and the people that are around you. Can I get an amen on that? You've got an inheritance. Come on. You've got an inheritance. Could you imagine getting a letter in the mail? Mr. Tyler, your great Aunt Ruby passed away. And there's an inheritance there for you. And it is rich in blessings. Ah, eh, whatever. Set it down. Discover it three years later. Ah, eh, I wonder what I'll do with that. Come on. Is that how you would? Not me. I'd be on that phone. Where's the number? Where's the... I'll drive there tonight. How hungry are you for your inheritance? Do you know who the executor of the will is? Do you know the executor of the will is the Holy Spirit? That through Christ's death, the entire covenant of God is now manifest and available, and the executor of the will is the Holy Spirit that lives within you, that is constantly calling out your inheritance. Call for this in prayer. Claim this in prayer so that Christ may be glorified. You wonder, oh, is it God's will? Is it not his will? Should I? Shouldn't I? Do it so that Christ can be magnified. Last of all, he says this, and the immeasurable greatness. Now, do you understand what immeasurable means? Yeah, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. This atomic weapon. No, you see, atomic's too small. This nuclear, no, it's too small. Those are things of the physical realm. This is the power of God. You understand this? This is the thing by which one word he created all heaven and earth. More powerful than any neutron, atomic, nuclear, anything. It's that power, he says, I'm praying you get this. He says it's that power, immeasurable greatness of power, that is yours to those who believe. In other words, I'm backing you. You have a calling. You've been chosen by me. I called you in Christ for the purpose of Christ so that you would receive the inheritance through my wisdom that I've lavished on you and I'm backing you with all the authority and power that I have. Woo! Then why are we so weak and miserable as a church? Something's amiss. The church in the United States is failing miserably. To declare the majesty of Christ. We're afraid that we will offend people. We're afraid that the truth is not politically correct. Ooh, something's wrong. When I've got that kind of power behind me, why am I such a chicken? Amen? Now, let's talk about the power. He says, it is the same power that what? Raised Christ from the dead. This morning I was sitting in the, in the prayer room and it hit me like a ton of bricks. The resurrection changed everything. The resurrection changed everything. It literally changed the, the physical universe. He broke the power of death. The cosmos has been changed. Everything is changed. Because Christ, the mystery of God, the planned purpose of God, has broken the power of sin and death, broken the devil. Everything's changed. Now we're called to bring into the fulfillment this plan and understanding our calling in it and his inheritance to us in it and the power behind it. Now everything's different. When I lay hands on the sick, things change. When I call out the will of God, things change. Because that same power that raised Christ from the dead changed everything. And in conclusion, he says this in the first chapter. And he said that to the glory of his grace, to the praise of his glory, it's all about his glory. He put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all. All in all. Oh, I could go another hour on that. Do you understand that Christ is the one who created all things? That all things exist because he spoke them. There's nothing that exists that does exist except through Christ. All things, he's in all things, through all things, for all things. They were all made for him. And it says here that he put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. The church, what is man that thou art mindful, that you have given me authority? His church is going to rule and reign. We're seated in heavenly places in authority with him. So if he's ruling and reigning over everything, guess who else is going to be ruling and reigning over everything? The church. We are his body. He's brought heaven into earth and united them as one. We are in covenant with him. And so the all in all, through all, the fullness of him, that's us. We have become the fullness of this plan. We don't get it. We don't get it. We have become... The fullness of his predestined, mysterious, purposed plan of his will to bring the glory of God into the physical universe, spiritual universe, so that he is all in all. And the way he's going to do it is through his body, which is his church, and we are in him. He is in us so that he will fill all in all. Praise God. Bow your head this morning as I pray for you. God, we are overwhelmed this morning by the majesty of this declaration. Who are we that you are mindful of us? That you've put all things under our feet through Christ. Lord, we feel so weak and feeble. But yet, through your wisdom, You lavished this grace. Through your wisdom and purpose, you called each one in this house. Through your plan, you want us to bring Christ to this world. If we would but understand and the eyes of our heart open up, oh God, to our calling, to our inheritance, and to the power that is here. God, would you pour that out on this congregation? Would you pour it out on Christ Community Church? Would you move within us to accomplish this great work, I pray, O God. And I pray for every heart and mind here that you would grasp that power unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or imagine according to the power that's at work in us that you would begin to realize who you are. Young people, that you would begin to realize you have a destiny, you have a purpose. You're not to wander into this world and get trapped. You're to walk in the power of Christ. And those of you that have surrendered to this world, you'd be captured again by the calling on your life. We are the people of God. We are His church. We're the called out ones. Now may the will of God be done in the earth as it is in heaven through this company of believers and these people, if you will receive that, say amen this morning. Say amen. Stand with me this morning and praise Him. Praise Him. Give me a chorus, whatever it is. Come on, shout for joy. Shout for joy. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. You may be seated, church. How glorious you are. Today is a day in which we can demonstrate the majesty of Christ out on the streets. This nation is in a war. A spiritual war and battle. The war for lives. There has been so much blood that has been spilt that is cursing the ground of this nation. And we as a people and we as a church have been failing the lives of these innocent children that have been aborted for the sake of ease and the sake of comfort. And we have got to fight for the lives of these children. Many of you I I know through the years have been involved in this fight. Many of you, I remember at abortion clinics, sitting in front of them, going to jail, doing different things over the years. And I thank God for you, and it's time for us to ramp it up again, because I'm telling you... where.